You're listening to the sermon podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. Have you ever read up anything on people's last words? Sometimes the last words people say are really significant when they know it's going to be their last words. Sometimes they make sure they're significant. And sometimes death comes as a surprise. It did that to uh, Union General John Sedwich. He was scorning his men because they were ducking and cowering before the Confederate snipers. And he said, they can't hit an elephant from this distance. And he died. They could hit a general from that distance, apparently. (laughs) Surgeon Joseph Henry Green was sick, and so he was laying there not feeling well, and he, he, he checked his pulse, and he was checking his pulse, and he got a shocked look on his face, and he said, it stopped. And he died. But some people, they know it's coming, and they're prepared for it, like multimillionaire Richard Mellon and, and Richard and his brother Andrew had played like tag for years for different things, you know, uh, from the time they were little kids. Seven decades they'd been playing tag together. And so Richard's on his deathbed, and Andrew's in the room, and Richard calls him over, and, and Richard touches Andrew and says, last tag. And that was it. <laughs> William Seward, the uh, architect of the Alaska Purchase, Asked if he had final words, he said this, nothing, only love one another. Harriet Tubman, surrounded, singing songs with her family, her last words were singing, swing low, sweet chariot, and she went home. Blues singer Bessie Smith said, I'm going, but I'm going in the name of the Lord. That's the way we want to go, right? Well, the Gospel of John deals with the end part of Jesus' life. Chapters 13 through 19 of John all cover the last few days of Jesus' life on earth. Jesus is alive and well in heaven, and someday he'll catch us up to be with him. But the last few chapters, or those chapters of John, deal with his uh, approaching death. And in chapter 13, we looked a couple weeks ago, he washed their feet and he taught them to be servants. And then in chapter 14, he encouraged them not to be anxious. Don't be anxious, he said, but to trust him and trust that you will live with him someday. And then in the rest of chapter 14 and chapter 15 and chapter 16, he deals with the Holy Spirit called the divine comforter, the comforter, the helper that God would send to help us in our walk. And Then John 17, where we're going to be this morning, focuses on what is truly the Lord's Prayer. Now, you've heard of the Lord's Prayer, and most of the time you think the model prayer, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the model prayer that the Lord taught his disciples. John 17 is the prayer from Jesus' heart. In Matthew and Luke, when the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is recorded, the disciples are 
are wanting him to teach them how to pray. And so Jesus says, listen, when you pray, pray kind of like this. But here, this is the prayer from Jesus' heart to the heart of the Father. God the Son in human flesh, Jesus. This is not his last prayer. His last prayer, uh, recorded in scripture, is in the garden when he cries out to God and says, if there's another way, please let it happen. Nevertheless, let it be, to, you know, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So he submits to the, that was the last prayer. But his disciples were asleep at that one. This one, they're awake and they're hearing him and he's praying with them and for them. And so this morning, there's a note sheet in your bulletin if you wanted to use it. Uh, and and uh, there's, there's a few uh, blanks in there that you can fill in the blank. And, and, uh, and uh, so those are available if, if it helps you to follow and to track. And then there's a spot for you to write down the verses that we're going to use from John 17. We're going to read through the whole chapter, the, uh, except for the intro at the very beginning of the chapter, uh, from the middle of verse 1 all the way through the end is all the prayer of Jesus. And so then we're going to go back and we're going to look at some things that we can learn from this that Jesus wants to see in his followers based on what he shares in this prayer. So hopefully you're in John 17 and we'll read there. If you're at home watching online, hopefully you have your Bible with you and you're looking at John 17 or your electronic Bible. All right, John 17, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said. Now it says he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Some people pray that way. I do sometimes when I'm by myself, I, I look up to heaven, especially when I'm at night looking up to the stars and I pray to God. If you spoke those stars into existence. Uh, but most of the time when we pray, we bow our heads and pray. Why? Because it shows submission. Jesus wasn't in submission to the Father. He was equal with the Father. And so Jesus looked directly to the Father and prayed to him as an equal. We are in submission. And plus, when we close our eyes and bow our heads, it helps us to focus. Where we're thinking and praying at the same time, which is a good combination. Okay? Uh, the middle of verse 1, Jesus' prayer begins. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. Listening to verse 3, this is eternal life, that uh, he says, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, right now you are having eternal life. It'll seem more eternal when you're in eternity with the Lord, but right now your life is eternal if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. 
I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. If you ever teach, or we have people here who teach in Awana, teach in Sunday school, teach in junior church, children's church. If you're ever sharing the gospel with people, one of the things you need to remember is it's not your job to convince everybody. It's your job to share the message so the people God's drawing can respond to the message. You are speaking to the ones willing to hear. And so that's encouraging when you're going to speak or share or pray with somebody. You're speaking to the ones who are willing to hear. And if they won't hear the truth of God, Jesus said, if they won't hear him, they're not going to hear you. And so I've always encouraged myself, if people won't listen to the Holy Spirit, why do I think they should listen to Terry Green? We share God's truth, but we allow God to work in their hearts and lives. You don't try and talk somebody into believing in Christ. Actually, the scripture presents the opposite. When somebody really believes in Christ, you can't talk them out of it. Verse 7. Now they have known all, I'm sorry, they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, Judas Iscariot, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The scripture testified of him and his betrayal and the 30 pieces of silver. All that's recorded in the Old Testament. Now verse 13. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Thy word, your word is truth. Verse 18. As you sent them into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I think I've read it wrong in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Now when we read verse 20, I want you to see yourself here. Verse 20 talks about people today even. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We believe and we follow the teaching of the apostles and that's what Jesus was praying in verse 20. Verse 21, and that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, 
that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Pause for just a moment. You know what I was doing a year ago this morning? A year ago this morning, my dad died. I was in the house. My sisters were in the house. My brother was in the house. My brother-in-law was in the house. My stepmom, after my mom died, dad remarried. We were all in the house together. Dad went home to be with the Lord. You know, when dad went home to be with the Lord, it was answering this prayer of Jesus. Look again at verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Dad was with us, then he was with him. Praise God. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known you that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love which you loved me may be in them and I in them. The prayer of Jesus. Notice he doesn't say, I ask this in my name. He, he was just talking his heart to the Father. We pray in Jesus' name. And that doesn't mean just tack it on at the end of your prayer. It means you're praying with the understanding that Jesus gives you the right to talk to God the Father, to have boldness going before the Lord. So here's some things that I want you to see that the Lord wants to see in his followers. He wants his followers to see the fullness of his glory. He wants his followers to see the fullness of his glory. He writes about that. Verses 1 through 8, talking about his glory and the blessings, and, and he has a desire that they would see it. And he's uh, glorified God on the earth, and God the Father is glorifying him, and he wants them to be able to see it. At that point in their lives, they didn't see it. In fact, when Jesus told them, I'm going away, they said, where are you going? And Peter said, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus said, oh, yes, you will. And then after the resurrection, and they saw Jesus. Then they understood the glory. This Sunday is traditionally called Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter. It's a recognition of the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. And everybody shouting and cheering, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're shouting and singing and palm branches are thrown in the street. That's why it's called Palm Sunday. And, so, uh, and, and they're rejoicing and shouting. And then that week ends with terror and desperation because Christ has been arrested. And then Christ dies. And then the following week, Easter Sunday. Jesus is with them, in the flesh, with them, alive forevermore. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. The testimony Jesus gave to John. But, but we can also see much of his glory right now. We will see it. My dad sees it. My mom sees it. My brother sees it. I don't quite see it yet, but I can see some of it right now. 
We can see lives transformed through his power. Even your own. Everyone in this room can testify of a time when Christ was not important to them, and now he is important to them, and how much better their life is since they made that adjustment, that change, and trusted and started following him. We see hearts stirred to do greater things, to serve and pray. We, we have a mission board back there, and, and we support some very, very faithful, godly missionaries who are serving him and faithful to him, and it's a joy. Uh, and uh, one of them, Arnold Velasco, was a, a friend of mine before he surrendered to the mission field. And, uh, and in fact, I, he had a nickname, and I always think of him by his nickname. And then I have to do his nickname and then his last name, and then I can finally figure out his first name again. But, but, but Arnold loved the Lord. He was faithful. He was a very successful businessman down in Tucson. I ran a plumbing company. It was doing really well felt God leading him to do something with his life, felt a call of God, went to Bible school, got lots of training and preparation, and God led him to the mission field, and now we, as a church, have voted to support the Velasco family, and in Spain today, there were believers gathering to share the truth of God's word. And you were still asleep. Arnold was preaching Jesus to the people of Spain. And we get to have a part in that. So we see his glory because of that. We, we feel his presence in us, sometimes very strongly. We feel his presence. And we can sense his leading as we listen to the Holy Spirit. And that's the glory of God working out in our lives today. And we do long to see him face to face. And we anticipate that moment when we see him and, and we see his fullness it's going to blow our minds. Even in the scripture, John, who was called the disciple whom Jesus loved, and none of the other disciples disputed that. They all agreed with that. They didn't, you know, Peter didn't later write, hey, you know, I know John said he was the disciple whom Jesus loved, but, but I'm really the guy. They didn't do that. At my mom's funeral, my brother got up and, and uh, did the obituary, and he said, I was mom's favorite. And then my sister got up and she shared something and she said, I was mom's favorite. But I got to have the last word. <laughs> I was the preacher that day and I got to stand up and say, the truth is, I was mom's favorite. Now, who was mom's favorite? I think my little brother, <laughs> the adopted one. I, I don't know. They had a special relationship. Especially after he took her to Hawaii, he kind of moved up a couple notches. You know? <laughs> uh, but, but when John, who was called John the Beloved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, when John, who was probably the closest to Jesus, John is the guy that Jesus saw from the cross, and he put John to care for his mom. You know he respected and loved John to put his mother in John's care. And, and yet John, when he saw Jesus in his glory... John didn't go, Jesus, man, high five! That's not what he did. What did he do in Revelation 1 when he saw Jesus in his glory? Fell down like a dead man. Just passed out, just down. 
Have you ever been so overwhelmed by something that you can't stand up, your feet shake, you tremble? That's, when I was a chaplain, one of the things I had to do quite often, more than 100 times, was go to a family and tell them that somebody they loved had just died. And so one of the things we did, we asked them to please take a seat. Because as soon as they found out, their legs would collapse. And so we wanted them to be sitting down so they wouldn't get hurt. John saw Jesus, and all of his senses were totally overwhelmed. And his body just shut down, and down he went. I know I have a weird mind sometimes, but he was on the Isle of Patmos. Patmos is known as a really rocky place, and I wonder if he got hurt when he fell. I don't think it bothered him at all. Okay? One day, billions of believers are going to gather around the throne of Jesus Christ, and we're going to cry out, you are worthy, O Lord. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. And for you created all things, and by your will they exist. And imagine the sound of it. Wait, we had just, I don't know how many people up here, five, I guess, in the ensemble this morning. And, and their sound filled this room. Imagine with billions and billions of us singing and shouting praise to Jesus in that moment. Oh, it'll be amazing. One day, you will know him not just as Savior, but you will see him in his position as God the Son. The glory he had before the world began. And you will see it. You know, Rick, you and I won't need glasses then, will we? We'll have our glorified bodies and we'll be shouting to the Lord and we'll rejoice in who he is. And so Jesus wants his followers to see that, to experience that. And someday we will. Now we see a little bit of it. But then we'll see face to face and we'll know. Second thing is he wants his followers to love him and to love one another. Repeatedly in this passage, it talks about being one and being connected, Jesus with the Father and us with Jesus and the Father. And he wants us to be one and connected with one another. But look down in verse number 26. He says, I've declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. So the love that the Father has for the Son and the Son for the Father, that love now comes down into us. And we can have that love for one another because it's a gift from God. We have uh, a purpose as a church. We say our purpose is, say it with me if you can, our purpose is to show God's love and share his truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Apparently we need to practice that a little more. But that's what we're supposed to do. And in the Bible, love is not merely an emotion. It's an action. But love is also not merely an action. It's an action with emotion. So it's not just emotion. It's not just that I love Kathy and I do... And it's not just every time I see her, I go, oh, my heart could have had a baby. 
fact, sometimes when I see her, it's like, step aside, head to the bathroom. You know, uh, you know but, but there's an emotion to it, but there's also the action. If you just feel ooey-gooey every time you see somebody, but you don't ever do anything to help them make their life better, that's not love. Love is not self-centered. I've, I've listened to a guy, he and his wife had separated, and, and uh, he was talking to me, and he said, oh, man, he said, I love her so much. And then he started talking about all the things she did for him. And I said, you love what she does for you, but do you love her? What do you do for her? He loved her because he wanted her to keep making his life better, not because he cared about her. So the Bible, it's not merely an emotion, it's an action, but it's an action that has emotion. And, and the Bible actually teaches sometimes that the action comes first. You treasure something and do that action, and then your heart follows. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your heart will follow what you treasure. And so if your relationship's not as good as you want it to be, you can treasure it, and then your heart will follow that, and you'll... Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. We want to be with him. And if you're here, then he wants you here. And when you go there, it'll be because he wants you there. But you want to be with him, like the Apostle Paul said, to, to uh, live is Christ, to die is gain. And in that same chapter in uh, Philippians, Paul said, I long to be with him, to depart from this earth and to be with him, which is far better. But it's necessary for you that I'm still here. The, the day Paul died, he wasn't disappointed. The day he died, he was rejoicing. Because he was now in the presence of Jesus. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with what? All your soul, mind, heart, and strength. All of who you are, loving all of who he is. And then he linked the second one to that. He said the second one is love one another with the same care you care for yourself. Love one another. So he wants you to have this vertical love uh, with Jesus, and then this that vertical love just kind of spills over. Imagine, if you will, like uh, you, you have a garden hose up here, and, and you turn it on, and that water comes down, and then when the water hits the ground, what does it do? It splatters, and it goes everywhere. And if you got a lot of, like a fire hose, and, and it, it just hits that ground and the water just splatters all over the place. That's how Christ wants us to live. He wants us to have this love with him that produces this fullness and it comes down and then it spills out all over everybody around us. Not in the wet sense, but in the heart sense. God wants your life to spill over into a blessing in other people's lives. We were sharing a few blessings this month, and, and I just wondered, I'm not going to ask you to do it right now, but how many people have been blessed because you have lived this month? <laughs> I, 
I don't understand why their hands were up. Was that, I, how many people were, were a lot of people blessed because you're alive this month? Are you blessed because other people are alive this month? I, I got confused. <laughs> a whole bunch of hands went up. John, why did your hand go up? Even if you have a bad day next month, John, still show love to Anna, okay? Oh, right. Ben, you know, you can skip that a little bit. No. Listen, we are blessed because of these relationships. We are blessed because of other people. We are blessed, especially when they're people who follow Christ. I, I love being on a journey, traveling somewhere, we stop somewhere. And uh, getting get a conversation, like even the day that Anna and Leah, Anna and Leah and I hiked uh, the mountain down here, South Mountain and uh, Cascaran Mountain, and we went hiking up to the top of that. And when we were coming down, there was a guy there, and I asked him, would he take a picture of us? So we got a picture with Leah standing like this, and then Anna standing up taller like that, and then me standing up at the top like this. So we're all three standing like this, and, and you could see the valley down below us. It's a fun picture. Well, then we started talking, and we walked down together. He's a believer, lives in Arizona City, goes to church there. We talked about the Lord and the joys of walking with the Lord. You know, the best part of the day was that conversation. I have not seen him since, but I'll see him again because we'll be in heaven together with the Lord. And God wants his followers to love him and let that love for him spill over into all their relationships. God loves to see our love for him and for each other. Third thing, he wants his followers to learn and obey the scriptures. To learn and obey the scriptures. In, in verse 8, Jesus said, talks about the word that he received. I have given to them the words which you have given me. Then he says that again in verse 12 about the words that I, I gave them. And then uh, the son of perdition, the scriptures being fulfilled, even in, even in Judas's betrayal, it was a fulfillment of the word in the Old Testament. In verse 14, I have given them your word. In verse 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. In verse 20, those who will believe in me through their word. He wants his followers to learn and obey the scriptures. An amazing thing about the Bible is you can study it your whole life and still learn more. There's nuances. There's understandings that grow and change. And I love studying a passage and then seeing it in a new light and learning some new thing. And then share it. That's one of the fun things about having a Christian relationship is Kathy and I can share the joys of what we're learning from Scripture. Wow, listen to this, you know, and, and we can enjoy what we're, what we're learning. And you can be a lifelong learner and a lifelong student of God's Word, and you will never exhaust what's there. Because God has built this in such a way that a child can understand the way of salvation, 
and the most mature doctor of theology can still grow and learn. In fact, one of the great theologians in England was asked once, what did he think was the greatest theological proposition in all of scripture? And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We'll never get beyond it, but our growth, we can learn and grow and mature and see things that we missed before, see them in a new way because we are growing and maturing. And beware of those who think they have God's word all figured out. Beware of them. Because God has designed our minds and his word so that you can continue to grow. As Peter challenged his readers, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have room for growth. You know how I know you have room for growth? You're still here. You're still breathing. When you stop breathing, you'll be with him. And I think we'll probably just keep growing. I think God is so far beyond us that there will always be room for growth even when we're in his presence. And here's a fourth thing. He wants his followers to be involved with the world without being led astray. Uh, I like this picture. Can you see it? At the, at the bottom of the picture, there's two people. And they're walking along. And what's ahead of them? Fog. They can't see clearly where they're going. You ever feel that way? We, we know generally what's going on, but there's also some unknownness to every day. This morning, the sun came up. I was glad it did. Actually, it didn't. The earth rotated, so now I can see the sun. But, uh, but we call it the sunrise. And, and uh, the light came first, and then the sun came out. And I'm glad that happens every day. I like sunny days more than cloudy days. I, I know the sun's up there even when the sky is dark full of clouds, but I prefer to see it and verify it for myself, you know. Uh, but God wants his followers to be involved in this world. I met a Christian couple down in uh, Sawarita when I lived there. They called themselves Christians, but, but they felt led of God, they, so they said. They were going to move away. They were going to leave their family. Their family was not going to be able to have any contact with them. They were moving to Alabama to be part of a Christian farm, self-contained farm, and they could never have contact with any people who were not part of that self-contained farm. And they said they were following Jesus. That's not how Jesus said to live. He wants us to be involved in the world. Should you run for political office? Hey, I think we should have a lot more Christians in politics. I think we'd be better off. I don't want to be one of them. But I think it's great there are some Christians who do. My dad served as a politician and later as a judge, and he did a good job at both of trying to represent Jesus Christ. He wants his followers involved in the world, but not to be led astray by the world. Who's a great example? Well, I'll just tell you. A great example of being involved in the world is the Apostle Paul. Name some of the things Paul did when he was involved with the world. He was involved in manufacturing, right? What did he manufacture? 
10. He, he was involved in sell, sailing, selling, salesmanship. I don't think he was sailing, but he was on ships a couple times. But he was involved in that. He was involved in public speaking. Right? He did that. He was even involved in public debates, like at the Areopagus. And so Paul was involved in things. He was in community involvement, public and private uh, things. He was involved in extensive travel. But he didn't travel as a tourist. He wasn't enamored by the things of the world. He was traveling as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Everywhere and in all things, he wanted to represent Christ. So if Paul was alive today on planet Earth, he is alive in heaven, but if he were living on Earth today, then I would picture Paul tweeting, right? He would prepare Facebook posts about Jesus. I'm sure he would have a blog, but he certainly would not be posting selfies to Instagram. He, he would really be trying to impact the world. He would be engaged and involved and working and laboring because God wants us to be involved in the world. And, and so sometimes we have a tendency to circle the wagons and my friends are those who agree with me. You know, I used to play volleyball at, at uh, LA Fitness. It's not there anymore. And they stopped the volleyball, so I, trans I canceled my membership there. But I played there every Tuesday night and every Thursday night. We didn't have a lineup. And I got to know some people there. And there was a guy there. I talked with him about the Lord a lot. He never trusted Christ. But he said, you know, I didn't realize pastors were real people. And, and he said, you, you've changed my perceptive on, perspective on the church, that, that pastors are really people and they have needs and everything. And th there was another guy there. He was really friendly. His lifestyle was contrary to scripture very clearly. But every Tuesday, he would say, hey, Terry, how things go at church on Sunday? And so I talked to him about God's word and about what we did and what the lessons in Sunday school and church were. And that, that's really cool. And did it change his life? I don't know. But he had a lifestyle contrary to scripture. And he knew this that I cared about him. People need to know that. Um, the guy who's now in charge of uh, Focus on the Family, Jim Daly, was talking to a group of us. I was in a small group. He was there. And, and he said, he was talking to a person who's an avowed homosexual atheist, right? And he's talking to this person who's been, that person had been very antagonistic toward Christianity. And so that person was expecting Jim Daly to have this big debate and argue with him. And, and Jim Daly said he listened to the guy, and then he stopped. And he said, listen, you, you do know Jesus Christ loves you. You know that, right? Do people know that through you? Or are you so stubborn in your politics that you're blasting people online? Or are you letting them know? Jesus loves them. We, he wants us to be involved. So what's, a, what's an example in the scripture of somebody who got involved with the world and then was kind of led astray? Somebody who traveled with Paul. Demas. If you said it before, you need to say it louder. Deaf guys, even with hearing aids, we still need help, right, Jim? Uh, Demas. Traveled with Paul. Paul called him a faithful fellow servant. And then the last word on Demas is, 
He has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That can happen. So be involved, but don't be led astray. Jesus wants his followers to be more like Paul, less like Demas. Actually, more like Jesus. But anyway, number five, he wants his followers to prepare to live with him in heaven forever. Forever with him. In verse three, he says, this is eternal life, that they know you and know me. And down in verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. He wants you to be with him. Do, do you picture Jesus smiling at you right now, Jesus looking down from heaven, smiling at you and saying, I'm looking forward to having you home. Do you picture that? get distracted by the things of this world. We get busy. We, and sometimes we picture Jesus just being frustrated with where we are on the maturity index. We, we feel like we should be higher and we're not. And Jesus is probably frowning like, come on, you're here again? Still? Grow up, would you? Jesus is saying, you ready to come home? I'm waiting. Are you looking forward to it? Do you, do you wake up? When you woke up this morning, were you just a little bit disappointed you were still here and not there with him? <laughs> we we want to be there with him, and he wants us to be there with him. Will the decisions you make this coming week, will those decisions be the ones you wish you made when you were standing in his presence? It's a new week. You can make great decisions this week, even if you messed it up last week. And you've been messing it up for the last 59 weeks in a row. You can make great decisions this week. He wants you to prepare to live with him forever. So this is the Lord's Prayer. This is what was going on in the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. This is the desire of his heart. He wants you, his followers, to see the fullness of his glory. He wants you to love him and to love one another. He wants you to learn and obey the scriptures. He wants you to be involved in the world without being led astray. And he wants you to prepare to live with him forever. That's what he wants. Now, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want what he wants? If so, that's the best way to live. If you don't want what he wants, maybe you need to change your wonder and redirect yourself. Because someday, when you see him, you will desperately wish you had lived to do exactly that when you are in his presence. You will wish those were the values of your life. Father, thank you for your amazing love and grace. Thank you that you brought us to salvation and not, didn't just leave us there. You brought us to salvation and you also give us the opportunity to grow and, and grow.
grace and, and our understanding and learn scripture, and we are so blessed to be the people of God. We pray that you would be honored and glorified by the decisions we make and the choices that we make this coming week. In Jesus' name. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.